Democrats in America. Oh yeah, they just elected a supreme injustice. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Bardo Kavanaugh. You know what? Every single day, the US is becoming more like the world of Conan the Barbarian. Oh yeah, okay, that's interesting. I've seen a lot of people call it a handsmaid's tale kind of thing, but maybe, maybe Conan is more on point. Yeah, and like Conan, I really hope one day to have Arnold Schwarzenegger as the presidentinator. Um, yeah, they're gonna have to change some of the rules on that one, but uh, I'm sure they'll do it for Arnold. Yeah, why not? I mean, the dude's super old and he's still curling iron and, you know, not sexually assaulting people. <laughs> yeah, well, not that we know. Not that, not yet, not yet. Uh, no, but I... I think at this point, it's, it's better to just assume that anyone in power is a sexual assaulter until proven otherwise. Yeah. Like, as it turns out, the whole Catholic Church. Oh, uh, yeah. And a bunch of other churches, too. It seems like, and I'm going out on a limb here, it seems like there might be a problem in the world with sexual assault. <laughs> seems like it might be a thing. Yeah, it, mm, it seems like maybe, maybe we're doing far too much of it. As a species or as us personally? As a species. Yeah. I don't think, I haven't sexually assaulted anyone. I also so. have not sexually assaulted anyone and that's why I'm not in power. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. That's why we're so fucking poor. We can't in get into the sex pest Illuminati. Exactly, man. Secret meetings and uh, pizzerias and stuff. Conspiracies! It's QAnon, Russians. It's all over the place. <laughs> it is truly sad, the fact that you know, sexual assault isn't taken more seriously in the world. And No, it is. Uh, and it's... It really should be. It's very prolific as an issue. And we're, we joke about... about these people being elected now but it is it's a serious problem um i guess that's it for the sex pest hour our usual podcast that we do each and every week yes welcome to be positive the positive b-movie podcast the b-side of the sex pest hour <laughs> we're back this again. is our second much shorter ep uh, podcast that we only do every now and again uh, just as like a b-side to all our other regular and very normal podcast. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the second week of Werewolf Appreciation Month. <laughs> so this is the first actual week of Werewolf Appreciation Month where we will be discussing a film that involves a werewolf. Yeah, last week was just a little taster. We had regular wolves in that one. Or I guess not entirely regular wolves. They were night wolves. Night wolves. It's kind of like a regular wolf, but... At night time. Yeah. Or at day for night time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In most of that movie. This week, we're shifting our attention to an honest-to-God, Midwestern, family values werewolf. Just getting down to the familial business of day drinking, drunk driving, mutilation. W womanizing. Womanizing. All uh, the classic traits of a family man. <laughs> That's right, this week we're doing the cult indie classic, A Wolf Cop. A Wolf Cop! <laughs> oh shit, it's the fuzz! I really had a lot of fun with this one. 
Do you want to dropkick us through the goalposts of the synopsis? I will do so, as this is one of my favorite films of all time. And I'm glad to finally wow. be discussing it on the podcast. On the old podcast. Yeah. All right. So Wolf Cop follows Sergeant Lou Garou. Uh, we'll get into that name a little bit later. Uh, mm -hmm. So Sergeant Garou is the worst cop ever. Uh, he doesn't solve many cases. His colleague Tina is always taking the shine fr away from him, taking that spotlight. She's been awarded best cop ever for many months in a row. Lou just keeps on yeah. day drinking, womanizing, and just being shitty at his job. Uh, he gets called out to a disturbance in the backwoods. He finds one of the mayoral candidates strung up in the woods. He's like, mm -hmm. shit dog, what up? He doesn't talk like that. He gets knocked the shit yeah. out. And then, <laughs> like a hazy mess of images, he his chest is cut up. Some weird ritual shit happens. And he wakes up yeah. the next day chained to a bed. Turns out his friend tranquilized him, tells him he's a werewolf, so no beating around that old bush. Nope. Lou then gets down to doing a little bit of police work and a little bit of drinking. That night, his friend <laughs> Willie convinces him to transform in a cage and Lou's down for this shit. So Lou transforms in the cage and the first thing he does... In a jail cell. In a jail cell. Uh, it's a cage. It's a people cage. It's a people cage. In this case, a, a wolf people cage. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's like I've always said, a jail is just a zoo for people. It's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wakes up as a werewolf, but still pretty aware of the fact that he's a cop. Uh, Willie actually says, Lou, you're a wolf. And uh, Lou turns around and just adds cop. Not fully saying... Yep the title of the film, but, you know, just touching it enough to, mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. let you know it's there. He then goes on a massive killing spree, murders a gang called the Piggies, yeah. uh, makes quite a name for himself. There's a lunar eclipse coming up. Turns out the town is led by shape-shifting lizards, and they need mm. to capture the blood of the werewolf in order to live longer or some shit? Yeah, it, it maintains their shape-shifting powers. Right, yeah. Those heckin' lizards turning chem chemicals in the water, turning the frogs gay. <laughs> Turn my frickin' wolves wear. Yeah, he gets captured by them. They're planning on sacrificing him, but his partner Tina shows up, and with a lot of her help, he manages to yeah. overcome the challenge, defeat the lizard people, and save the town. And that's it. That's Wolf Cop. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole Wolf Cop. It's your classic zero to hero, but he's a werewolf. Yeah. Surprisingly, well, again, not surprisingly, this is something that I used to fantasize as a child, is just becoming a werewolf and then being kind of like a superhero, but also a werewolf. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting because before his transformation, Lou doesn't really seem to give a crap about any copping that he needs to do. Yeah. But once he becomes the wolf, he suddenly, I guess, rediscovers a sense of duty he has towards the town. Yeah. I guess engages in a lot of extrajudicial killings, not a lot of um, <laughs> due process. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's a proper cop. As much as he's a vigilante uh, maniac. Yeah, a, a, a weird 
a furry vigilante cosplaying as a sheriff. Exactly. <laughs> what do we want to talk about this episode? What did you think about the the world that this is set in? A highly irresponsible world? Yeah, indeed. Right. It, it seems like an exaggeration of the stereotypical Midwestern town where like everyone is constantly crunk. Yeah. Everyone is armed. To the teeth. The movie leads up to the big annual drink and shoot. Never uh, a bad idea. Which seems like Yeah. <laughs> Seems like th- they probably have a lot of Dick Cheney-esque accidents over there. Yeah. And the local zoo crew, sponsored by Liquor Donuts. What more do you need? Liquor and donuts. The perfect cop snack. <laughs> so it seems almost like a, a Grand Theft Auto-type satirical world. Yeah. It's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit uh, exaggerated. And Lou... I think pre-transformation, Lou personifies a lot of how people perceive the cops to be. The only thing is he's not corrupt as much as he's just lazy and yeah. prone to gluttony and excess. Yeah, he, he just can't seem to hold it together long enough to really give a shit about his job. Yeah, later on in the film, we do find out that his father was a cop and apparently a good cop and there's that classic trope again of the cop the young young police officer not living up to their parents expectations you know you got it Mm. in starsky and hutch you've got it in brooklyn 99 the list goes on even his partner tina has exactly the same no she doesn't she's her dad was never a cop her dad was a bartender he was a bartender Yeah, Yeah. but it was his death, I think, that led her to join the police. Yeah. Um, Because it turns out, I mean, spoilers ahead for this entire podcast, as always. Forever Um, and always. But it turns out that Tina's dad was one of the previous uh, werewolf sacrifices. Yeah. So I think that mystery led her to join the force. She's also the only good cop in town because uh, the sheriff proper is in fact one of the the reptiloids yeah and he's also one of his alter egos is the local gang leader the leader of the piggies yeah aptly named mr piggy himself mr piggy himself and the piggies are quite aptly named because eventually the big bad wolf come up and he gonna blow their house down by blowing up their meth lab as you were saying that literally as you were saying that i realized that like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it's been a long week. So there's a couple of things going down in this film, right? There's the subplot of Mayor Bradley, who turns out to be of a reptoid persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> people of uh, people of scales. Thank you. <laughs> the scaly ones. Yeah. So Mayor Bradley is a is a changeling, as they mention in this but she's also the bartender who Lou Garou is yeah. crushing on so she she mares during the day and bartends at night I suppose which yeah. must be an exhausting schedule so props to her for keeping that going yeah I guess uh, werewolf blood and the consumption thereof must somehow let you opt out of sleep altogether 
Yeah, it's it's like one of those vitamin B injections where you're just like, oh, it feels so powerful now. I feel powerful. Let me flip this car. Oh, wait, I can't. I physically cannot do that. No, oh, no, no. Ow, I hurt myself real bad. <laughs> I shouldn't have lifted in that jerking, <laughs> twisting action. Uh, she's up for re-election, and her competition, Terry Wallace, is running largely on the platform of Mayor Bradley is corrupt. And as it turns out, she is corrupt, like very super corrupt because she's been in charge of this town for 200 years. The locals don't actually care. The people of the town never really feature in this and they never show any interest in taking part in any, any sort of civic activity or, you know, organizing some change, you know, even just getting out to vote. They're all just really upset that the drink and shoot was cancelled. For instance, when Terry comes into the bar to do some proselytizing, okay, I mean, he is being a little pushy, but he comes into the bar to try and get people on his side to promote his message of reform, anti-corruption, but they start, they just immediately start throwing him with food and try to try to run him out of the bar because he's really just interrupting their very valuable drink in time. Of course, can't interrupt them drinks. I, I don't know if you saw it, but when we see Lou's open desk drawer with all the empty bottles, there's a bottle that looks like a Jack Daniels bottle, but it's uh, old, what, Jim Dandy's old number two Kentucky <laughs> bourbon. The background of this film was very well put together. There's a in the mm. police station, there's also a poster that says puppy poaching is a crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's something we also learn right in the beginning of the film is that cats and dogs have been disappearing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, according to the official explanation, which we know is a lie because the sheriff himself is a reptile. Of course. The official explanation is that the animals have been used by teenagers to sacrifice to Satan. Uh, And this is another classic trope from like Midwestern towns where you've got the trope of the satanic panic and, you know, people freaking out because, oh, the devil's going to get us. But the devil is not going to get you. The reptilians are. The devil's already got you. Yeah. The reptilians are the devil and they already have you. They're already in charge. Yeah. They won. And it's not the heavy metal teens, you know, it's the most powerful people. Yeah, it's interesting how teens are usually scapegoated for these sort of things. The biggest atrocities usually come from very powerful, well-respected people. I think, yeah, teens just don't have the resources to engage in that sort of like wide-scale corruption and murder and drug dealing and stuff. They just don't. And also no one takes them seriously. I mean, why would they? True. I've seen my teenage poetry. (laughs) I wouldn't take myself seriously. Yeah. Oof. Oh, boy. An interesting thing about Sergeant Lou Garou is his name, Lou Garou, is actually taken from the French account of the Lou Garou, or the Loup Garou. Lou Garou. Lou Garou. That's how it's pronounced. Lou Garou. It kind of sounds like Louis Roux. Are you, are you a werewolf? Right. Don't spoil it. (laughs) So the Lugaru was uh, also known as the beast of Gevaudan or something similar to that. I think that's pretty close. It was a creature that terrorized a French town 
uh, way back in the day. And they said it was a giant wolf eating people. They blamed the werewolf. Most likely it was just a pack of mutated wolves. Uh, that's apparently the most likely explanation is a pack of giant mutated wolves, where I think maybe it was a werewolf. Maybe it was um, a guy with rabies. Maybe it was Ed Gein. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> We've cracked it. Uh, so that's where we get Call, call the name. constables. Yeah, with a name like that, he really shouldn't be that surprised that he's made into a werewolf. It seems like he was destined for it. Yeah. Some interesting things about his transformation sequence. Oh boy. As far as werewolf movies go, some transformations just not very good. We remember the transformation from uh, ne Never Cry Werewolf. Never Cry Werewolf? Yeah, I remember that. Not super great. Uh, in this, it's, it's mm. one of my favorite kinds of transformations where it is intensely graphic. It looks yeah. heavily painful, Ooh. very reminiscent of American Werewolf in London, where literally when he's transforming, Lou bursts out of his own skin. His skin pulls apart. Yeah, his yeah just sloughs off like a like a snake, very painfully shedding <sighs> skin. And something that was so hardcore, the first transformation we see, and I think a very brave move for the filmmakers here, something I don't think any other werewolf movie has ever done. Lou is getting uh, shit-faced in the bar, getting fed alcohol by Jesse, who, you know, with hindsight, we can see as just trying to kind of keep him under control until it's time to sacrifice him. But yeah. anyway, he goes to the bathroom, and when he's peeing, he looks down and sees that he's peeing blood, and then we get this incredible tight close-up on his peen. Yep. And literally his normal human penis transforming and bursting out into his giant wolf penis. And it's, Ooh. oh boy, oh boy. Did not expect that one. Yeah, that it, it is very vicious. It balloons out and then bursts and there's hair. It's just this fuzzy, furry, wear penis oh, that comes out and it is very intense oh. and everywhere where uh like his skin comes off he has this awful wet matted fur yeah <laughs> it's so gross yeah it doesn't uh, look fun really great. transforming into a werewolf but nah he's doing okay as a wear later on the bathroom becomes a crime scene as now uh the piggies were invading the bar's bathroom while he was transforming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he ends up murdering the shit out of them. And uh, the next day the cops show up, the coroner, and not for the first time, we see him eating at a crime scene. The mark of a man who just doesn't give a shit. He's comfortable around corpses is what I'm saying. When they find Candidate Terry in the woods with the cult having given him fake heroin track marks. Yeah, and the sheriff just sweeping it under the rug and being like, well, uh, you know what, some some mayors, mayoral candidates are junkies and we never would have known and case closed. Yeah, like, oh, why is his, why is his throat all cut up and, and why is he entirely bled dry? Well, must have been a critter. Must have been a wild critter. Right, so he's at the bar and uh, two of the piggy thugs try to get the drop on him. Yeah, he manages to get the drop on them and rip some heads off, rip some arms off. It's general bloodbath. So the next day, the cops show up at the bar. Super cop Tina picks up Lou's face, the the skin that yeah. used to be Lou's face, 
she kind of does this she's like oh it kind of looks like you lou and puppets it in front of her face and sort of mocks him with it yeah uh which i also feel like man super great police work you know just disrespecting the dead (laughs) just super great uh lou is kind of uncomfortable because it is his face and he did murder those guys and he did murder those guys yeah so lou transforms not into like we were saying uh in last week's episode not into uh, the traditional werewolf the mythological werewolf which you just become a wolf a real big wolf yeah he transforms into something more akin to the anthropoid hollywood creation made famous by lon cheney jr in the original wolfman films he's got yeah. a kind of human face he doesn't have an elongated snout and he retains uh, his he's human bipedal, shape. Yeah. Which is, I think, I suppose the werewolf that most people will be familiar with. Yeah. It's definitely the werewolf that we mostly see in films and TV shows. Yeah. And I've got to say, they did, I think they did a really good job on both the, the wolf makeup and suit and the the transformation gore. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's all it's all practical or mostly it's all practical. practical. We don't get to see any CG, and you know that's always a bonus. You don't want CG in a film like this. CG just gets yeah. dated so quickly. We saw in Sabretooth, it's tough to keep CG scaled to your actors. It doesn't work. You want your CG. You want <laughs> horror films need to be practical effects because also, first of all, the actor has something to work with. The second of all, you actually have something that looks real because it technically is real, even though it's like rubber yeah, and latex. Yeah. But when Lou's skin rips off of his body, there's actual skin ripping Oof. and hair coming up from underneath, which is another thing that back in the day people used to say was a mark of someone being a werewolf is that if you cut them underneath their skin would be fur really yeah okay uh it's kind of like how they used to test for witches by drowning women and if they drowned and sank they were not a witch but if they float oh you better watch out girl you better watch out because that's a witch oh yeah (laughs) So, I've got to say, I think my favorite character in Wolf Cop was one Willie Higgins, local gun shop owner and paranormal, I guess, hobbyist. Yeah. And also, pretty disappointingly, also a reptilian, also part of the ruling elite. But he seems a bit like the odd one out there because he's not really in a position of power in the town he's definitely in league with them but he is not entrusted with power like you said he just seems to want to live a normal ish life as being a bit of a conspiracy theorist you know living above his gun shop and just selling selling weapons to drunk people is that maybe the power that he has as a you know an arms dealer essentially yeah if you think about it the drink and shoot coincides with the time of the year that the reptilian changelings want to sacrifice the werewolf and they can only sacrifice a werewolf during the lunar eclipse happening every 32 years so for the intervening 31 years they hold a drink and shoot to commemorate them pretty much hunting the werewolf because 
what do they call it? The walking bear or something? The beast, the walking bear. Yeah, so the drink and shoot is basically just the town going out and fictionally hunting what is essentially a werewolf. Even though there is no werewolf, it's just their tradition. Yeah, and they're kind of recreating the the exact circumstances that allow them to be controlled by this group of immortal shapeshifters. It's pretty effective propaganda from the lizards. Yeah, because they're they're smart. They know they need to win hearts and minds too. They need to keep the town drunk and shooting so that they never realize like, oh, hey, the mayor hasn't aged ever. <laughs> yeah, and neither has the sheriff. That's the two industries that they tightly control. Apart from controlling the police force and controlling the government, they actively control the supply of alcohol through the tooth and nail inn run by Jesse, the, mm-hmm. who happens to also be the mayor, and the gun shop run by Willie. So the drink and shoot is just how they keep the people happy. It's how they give them what they want. And it is a very stereotypical yeah. thing, but in this town, we essentially have to believe that it's gone from a normal, normally functioning Midwestern town to the satirical level of craziness because of the reptilians normalizing these things and normalizing yeah. the concept of drinking and handling firearms. And at the same time, the, the police force is kept kind of useless and underperforming by the sheriff, who also, of course, has a side business in the drug manufacturing as as the gang leader. Yeah, if you look at the piggy gang, uh, there are a lot of piggies, right? But there's only two yeah. deputies to the sheriff. Yeah, like <laughs> three cops in the whole town. Yeah, like the one deputy, sure, she's a super cop. But the other one, Lou, should have been fired years ago by the looks of it. By yeah. His track record is awful. He drinks on the job. He doesn't solve any cases, which I want to talk about that. Solving yeah. cases as a metric for good police work. It comes down to assuming that there will always be crime. Yeah. But if a cop is doing a good job, there should theoretically be less cases to solve. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a catch-22. Like, you, yeah. you solve a lot of cases, making it better, which means you have less cases to solve, which makes it look like you're performing worse. So using that as a metric, I think it also leads to over-policing. Not that... This town has an over-policing no, issue. they do not have that problem at all. I'm just saying in general, like if you, if you try and motivate police officers to make arrests, regardless of truth or proof, then you're going to end up with people falsely imprisoned. Yeah, and people being kind of punished much more harshly for even smaller petty crimes, yeah. uh, that kind of thing. Oh, I I wanted to mention another little background detail. I don't know if you noticed this, but the Sheriff's Star logo looks an awful lot like the cult's pentagram logo. Yes, it does. I believe in the the US, the Sheriff's Star is more of a pentacle. Uh, That's where it has one point facing up, which is in 
uh, esoteric circles, this is a symbol of protection. But in this town, the sheriff's star is the inverted pentacle, the pentagram, uh, which is often associated with Satanism and is, in yeah. fact, in films at least, uh, known as the mark of the beast. Yeah, and specifically this cult, their pentagram has kind of two swords on the lower diagonal sides, uh, an eye in the middle and a crown above it. And the sheriff's star badge also has two swords along the side of the star, which I think was a really good little background detail because they never really linger on it or draw your attention to it. But uh, yeah, if you're paying attention, you can see that and you go, uh-oh, yep. uh-oh. It's another example, I mean, sure, they put it in there as sort of a, a hint, a bit of foreshadowing as to the secrets that would be revealed later in the film. But it, in this, the universe of this town and this film, it just goes to show how confident these changelings were in their total control of this town, that they could put something so obvious if someone just saw their logo and the fact that they have a logo at all for a secret society <laughs> consisting of three people, that's a little bit, Yeah, that's a bit arrogant. I wonder if they got a designer, they hired, they hired a graphic designer from New York to come and do it for him. 200 years ago they did that. And then they probably turned him into a werewolf and ate him. Well, drank his blood. Yeah. So uh, there's a bunch of really good one-liners in this film, like where where Lou as the wolf stops a robbery in progress at a local convenience store. At Liquor Donuts. Oh, at a Liquor Donuts. Okay. Yeah. He stops some piggies who are robbing the store. He kills them, but the one piggy has enough time to say, what the fuck are you? Because obviously he's in shock being... Yeah. A man dressed in a piggy mask robbing a store. And, you know, Lou as a werewolf just says, the fuzz, which I thought that was quite cute and quite funny. Yeah, the, the action one-liners aren't too belabored or emphasized in this one. They managed to get them off at a good clip and, like, not really lingering on them or like forcing them out it seems very natural the writing of this was pretty good it is a horror comedy and it is low budget but it is written really well you know it, it hits all the marks that it needs to yeah and i think for a project that was done on such a tight budget i think well um i don't know a million canadian dollars that's probably not a lot of movie money and uh, no not right I mean, it's it's getting up there in terms of a B film, but it's not major motion picture levels. Nowhere near that. Yeah, so I think for something done on, on such a tight budget, it looks really good. Like, the camera work is great, the grading is great, the editing, it all works. It, it looks very, very good, I think. It looks much better than some even higher budget things that we've seen. Yeah, big time. Uh, and the amazing thing is that this film was crowdfunded. It was. It started out as a trailer oh, yeah. and a dream. And I believe it was Kickstarter. They just got the community who wanted this movie to pitch in and help to make it. At the very least, it is an indie film. Uh, I think we need to discuss the elephant in the room. It's when uh -oh. Lou, after his night of vigilantism, gets back to the police station. He finds Jesse there, dressed up as a Little Red Riding Hood, but like the adult yeah. version of Little Red Riding Hood. The, he should really have become 
instantly worried when he realized that Jesse has no problem with him being a werewolf and doesn't seem surprised about it in the least. He should have gone, wait a second, that's not a normal response. I guess he was uh, riding high, seeing as how he had just blown up yeah. the piggy's hideout <laughs> after very graphically ripping and, a dude's uh, face off. <laughs> um, which was just the best. That was like maybe my favorite part. That was so funny. You just see his skull screaming. Um, yeah, because the guy's it, obviously it pops still up alive. Next to Willie again, and ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have no face. Yeah. He actually looks a lot like um, they live. The the classic. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what they walk among us trope. He looks a lot like that, but no, he's screaming because you can see his face bones. Oh, classic. <laughs> uh, so Lou's riding high. He gets back to the cop shop and he finds Jesse there waiting for him, dressed in lingerie. She sends Willie away and they proceed to at first recreate the classic scene from Dracula. That's the Dracula with Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Where Dracula goes to London, transforms into a werewolf, and has sex with a woman in a hedge maze. Who can forget the classic scene? The one that won the Oscar. So there's a really, <laughs> such a prolonged and passionate love scene between <laughs> this giant furry wolf man and... Uh. The buxom bartender. It's really fan service to the furries out there. Uh, it's some A-grade oh, yiffing, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Uh, so if you're into that kind of thing, go check this movie out. There's uh, something in it for you. Yep, yep. There's a lot of images for the old spank bank. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they they get it on. Bow, um, wow, chicka, wow, after wow. which... <laughs> After which, uh, Jesse Jesse drugs him and reveals herself to be the mayor, and that's when they take him to the sacrificial site. Yeah, when they, he arrives at the sacrificial site, this is where it's revealed that Willie is a changeling, the sheriff is a changeling. God damn! And I'm so disappointed in Willie. Lou transforms into a werewolf, but apparently the solar eclipse weakens him somehow. And the only reason he escapes yeah. is by Tina's intervention. She uses her dope sharpshooting skills to just ice yeah. Willie. Straight off the bat. Yeah, she... Snipes the shit out of him. Doesn't she also wreck uh, the mayor? Uh, Who kills the mayor? I think Lou kills the mayor, but Tina kills the sheriff. Because the sheriff has a blunderbuss. Yeah. Not the best weapon. Yeah, of course they'd be fucking steampunk like <laughs> super steampunk he also has these like stupid glasses and a blunderbuss and all that stuff and like uh, of course these fucking 200 year old reptiles would glom onto the steampunk trend yeah and that's how you we know, all know evil. steampunks are just rusty goth yeah <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that. Again, not yucking steampunk or goth. Uh, both of those things are great. And I myself was a bit of a goth when I was a teenager. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm still very into the goth aesthetic, although I don't think it works for me. Somehow I'm too white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
God, that's that's a sad one. Yeah. Well, anyway, they have their final showdown with the Changelings. They merge victorious. Lou transforms back into a human. Uh, we also discover now that the secret to his power is the booze, and he is yeah. the the first werewolf to escape. Clearly, as the Changelings have survived up until now. Yeah, I found it quite interesting that booze is kind of his. Popeye's spinach because I think the more cliched thing to have done with that is that the whole wolf experience drives him away from drink yeah but in this film it's the thing that saves their lives because he bulks up with a little flask of whiskey before finally taking the sheriff out yeah yeah I mean he has been shot a few times and maybe the whiskey just helps him to ignore his wounds it's a pretty dope fight scene and effectively done very believable for a film about a wolf cop speaking about wolf cop and believability that's something that I also really appreciated was that they didn't just jump straight into the gimmick they really did a lot of groundwork in the beginning to make this cop a believable wolf cop. Yeah. He has a real character. He has actual motivations. So when, it, when he does go wolf cop, you buy into it. You, you can uh, take him seriously as a, <laughs> a weird furry stuffed into a sheriff's uniform. Yeah. I find his character to be very endearing and unlike many other characters in films we've discussed, he shows actual growth in within his character as the film progresses. Yeah, and he doesn't do a total 180, but he has a more realistic sense of growth of like realizing some of his mistakes and kind of trying to correct them. But of course, it's that's really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't all of a sudden lose his addiction to alcohol but he does start to do his job a little bit kind of yeah next time he should bust in as the wolf and put fucking handcuffs on everyone and then go do all the paperwork and as the wolf judicial procedure see i want to see that yeah (laughs) (laughs) suspect was apprehended Going to like testify before a jury as as wolf cop. Yeah, yeah. Because Lude didn't make the arrest. A wolf cop. <laughs> and I guess that's also a question that he asks: Is am I still myself when I'm the wolf? I feel like the more he transforms, the more he becomes in touch with this inner beast. Definitely. But after his um, first transformation at the bar. He, the next day he goes down and um, he walks Jesse to her car and I find this is something that I found really endearing about his character is that he asks, you know, did I hurt you? Yeah. Because he didn't know what he did. He literally tore up two dudes and that moment of concern where he's like, oh God, I know I'm capable of hurting someone that I care about. Yeah. I hope I didn't do it. Uh, that was really endearing to me and did a lot for his character, I think. Yeah, it, it goes to show his true motivations. He might be a bit of a sleaze. He still cares for the innocents. He's not really tore up about murdering the piggies, <laughs> but he is worried <laughs> yeah. about harming someone who has committed no crime and is not an active meth dealer person. <laughs> um, of course, he might come to regret that uh, when he learns that she is in fact all the evil in the town yeah but at that point uh, of course we don't know that uh, I guess he does regret it and then he kills her so it balances yeah. out 
it works out in the end. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, and it's actually the last thing I want to talk about, is the classical changeling in real actual mythology. Mm-hmm. At first, hearing the term changeling, you maybe you're a little bit more inclined to believe that it is a kind of shape-shifting being. But a changeling in mythology is actually when a fairy kidnaps your baby and replaces it with another fairy that looks like Mm. an infant, but is in fact a changeling. Yeah, the old cuckoo method. Yeah. And I guess this stems from undiagnosed postpartum depression back in the olden times. Yeah. People feeling that their children are imposters somehow. You know, it could be a host of psychological issues uh, that gave rise to the phenomenon of the changeling. Yeah, that seems like one of the more depressing myths I've ever heard of. Actually, if you look into a lot of fairy mythology, a lot of it is incredibly depressing. Really? Yeah. I'd, I'd always figured that the the fairy kin are, are the more happy side of folklore. Well, the fairies themselves are happy, uh, but any interaction they have with humans is exclusively terrible. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah, I also wanted to say that the the lighting in this film was also really good. And oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely picked up on some hints of uh, Giallo lighting, which, as you know, I'm always in love with. Uh, so I always yeah. appreciate that. It is strange how China is also very Giallo lit uh, in that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like really saturated reds and uh, blues and, and stuff. And especially when it when it's been raining, there's a lot of like you can find it on my Instagram if you want to look at it. But there's a lot of giallo lighting about. But yeah, especially uh, in the scene where Lou, as the wolf, modifies his police cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. That cruiser is effect. no longer regulation, my friend. It really isn't. He rips the doors off. Uh, he tears a big W in the hood. He puts some lights in there so it's glowing red. He oh, yeah. changes the alignment of the sirens on top so that it's lengthwise. Yeah. Kind of reminiscent of a shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts a W-shaped spoiler at the back. Yeah, and he paints it black. Which Yeah, and a little W hood ornament, just in case you missed the first two Ws. He's really staying on brand with the whole wolf cop thing. Definitely. You know, I didn't think a Lugaru had such a strong aesthetic, but when he goes wolf cop, he's like, he knows exactly what kind of look he's going for. Maybe that's why he's drinking, is he never wanted to be a cop. He wanted to be yeah. a designer. Yeah, and there's not a lot of design opportunities in, in Woodhaven, that's for sure. No, there isn't. But I tell you what, there is a lot of opportunities for copywriters uh, because everything in the background is perfectly written as like little yeah. Easter eggs for you to find. Like the tooth and nail in being the bar. Earlier I mentioned the poster yeah. about puppy poaching is a crime. Uh, all of the booze. Uh, there's another funny thing. I think someone can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I think he has a framed picture of liquor donuts on his desk. <laughs> so yeah this is this is definitely a film that is i mean obviously a passion project a work of love 
and there's really a lot of fun to be had with it. Yeah, it is truly a wonderful experience. So, Louis, if you... Yeah, hit me with that rating system. If you had to rate the Mighty Wolf Cop out of 1 to 10 minutes of extended, uncomfortable, slightly graphic, very passionate, wolf-loving scenes, how many minutes mm. would you give it? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my first ever perfect rating on the show. I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 minutes of Ooh, wolf sex. Nice! I am proud yeah. of you. And I have no qualms doing that. No, I, I really, I genuinely really, really enjoyed this film. And as a bonus, it's also quite well made. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, it's a good movie and I enjoyed it. And like I said, I mean, obviously I give it an 11 out of 10. I rewind and rewatch the last minute of that love scene <laughs> for this movie. It is one of my favorite movies of all time and it is spot on. It's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Which brings me to week three of Werewolf yeah. Appreciation Month. Uh-oh. You gotta let me in. We're doing another Wolf Cop. The so sequel. this is, I mean, this is a month of... This is a very special month, clearly, because we've never done a sequel before, I don't we've think. We've never done. It's Halloween month. It's Werewolf Appreciation Month. It's Fraser's Birthday Month. Guys, uh, what a festival. What an absolute delight. Yeah. Welcome to my heaven. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for uh, Wolf, Cup, Wolf Cup number two. Uh, I see they're bringing Willy back in the second one, Ooh. and I'm... Very curious to find out how exactly they pull that one off. Yeah. But I think uh, they, they probably realized, like... He was gold. Willie is, is an integral, important part of, of this franchise, and we need him. You, I and mean... I need him. Every wolf cop needs his goofy sidekick. And, and uh, I can't appreciate Willie enough. I think he's, he's my favorite character in the film, yeah. definitely. I've not seen the trailer for the sequel. I've not seen any single part of this thing. Mm, except mm. that I know it exists. They tease it at the end of the first Wolf Cop movie, and I believe it took a few more years to release. They promised it would be out in 2015, which it was not. Uh, I believe it was released... No, I think it was it, 2017. Yeah, a right. bit more recent. Yeah. Like all good movies, the first Wolf Cop has a post credit scene. Did you see that? I, I didn't. Right. I, I, uh, I tried to go through the credits to find it, but I didn't see it. Earlier on in the film, Lou, after he gets transformed into the wolf cop by the ritual, he sees a man walking his dog. The man kicks the dog. Lou instinctively wants to protect the dog. He tells the man, don't do that. The man spits an awful brown sludge and says whatever or something. Uh, <laughs> at in the post credit scene, this puppy is barking, it's freaking out. The man walks out and he's clearly on his way to damage this poor pup. And uh, we just yeah. cut to Wolf Cop standing next to the doghouse, looking tough, looking swag. And uh, you could just assume that man died. He died, Louis. He died because he's an yeah, animal abuser. He definitely died. And, and Wolf Cop is not into making arrests. That's not his vibe. No, he does actually doesn't even carry cuffs. If that man didn't want to die, he shouldn't have ignored the anti-puppy poaching posters. He really shouldn't have. He knew it was a crime. He knew it was a crime, and now he's going to do the time. All five seconds of it. All, all the rest of eternity of it in a grave because he's dead. He's a lazy boy. 
And then on that um, note, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Yes. I'm on Instagram, at Fraser Chonji. Hit me up, at Louis Rue on Insta. And yeah, let us know what you thought of Wolf Cop. Clearly, it is the perfect film. So, you know, just tell me it was perfect and then we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, everyone go ahead and watch Wolf Cop 1 and then go ahead and watch Wolf Cop 2 so you're all caught up for the next episode coming out next week. We are continuing to bring you a weekly episode this month. Uh, Tough, but we can do it. Yeah, keep up and let us know what you guys think. And uh, send us some Halloween memes. Yeah. We Halloween Hallow memes. Uh, we've got our, our uh, Facebook group up and running and we've been steadily churning out, well, not creating, but sharing the Spooktober yeah. memes. If you can make a Wolf Cop meme, That'd be great. In fact, it's a competition. If you can make a Wolf Cop meme, yeah, um, send it to us, and then you win the Wolf Cop. We we crown. could probably we could we could probably send someone a T-shirt, right? Yeah, we could probably send someone a T-shirt. I should just have those made. But I am in the heart of production, so it's not impossible. Yeah. And then, as always, you stay scary. Uh, be sure not to kick a spooky dog you shouldn't kick the spooky dog because then the wolf cop will come at you I, that's actually that's gonna be how i uh threaten my children one day is if they're like acting up and being With naughty wolf cop. i'm gonna be like hey man wolf cop's gonna come to get you and then i just show them the scene of wolf cop ripping the dude's face off and then just face bone yeah. screaming i'll be like this will be you child <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's definitely a great way to raise your children and they won't have any issues at all. Not a single issue, oh, yeah. they will be well adjusted. Perfect citizen. I swear to God, if you have a fucking issue, I'll fucking feed you a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll keep them on the straight and narrow. Exactly. <laughs>